Welcome to the Fitness Canner Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Feigl. I'll be bringing you the truth about exercise by interviewing fitness professionals, exercise science professors and researchers, as well as fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders. Hopefully you take this info and apply it to have a better, healthier, and happier lifestyle. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 40 of the Fitness Canner Podcast. I am joined today uh, by PJ Nessler, and uh, we got linked up through the Strength Performance Network uh, through article writing and sharing articles. So uh, it's a little different podcast because I've never really spoken to someone who dealt with uh, mostly combat sports like MMA, Jiu-Jitsu, um, and uh, a few other few other MMA-based sports. So I think it's a different perspective because that sports is so hot right now and a lot of people kind of jump into it maybe thinking that it's it's all about just the striking or groundwork and there's a lot more that goes into it. So PJ, thanks for joining us tonight, man. I, I know you had a really busy day, so I appreciate you taking the time. Hey, thanks very much for having me, Eric. Absolutely. So you do a little more than than just the the MMA. Uh, you work with football players, getting them ready for the M- NFL Combine and hockey as well. But primarily, you're you're dealing with mostly mostly fighters, right? That's correct. Yeah, I don't really work. I, I've worked with NFL players and NHL guys in the off season, um, but now with with my business role, you know, running multiple facilities, I have to kind of um, my training had to take a little bit of a, a back seat. So I really had to focus, and I've, I've got a couple groups of combat athletes that I work with. And that those are the only athletes that I currently work with, uh, that I'm actually hands on with. Oh, that's awesome. So tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got into the industry. Okay. Um, you know, I got started probably like a lot of us, uh, always into fitness from the time I was 12. I didn't really know where I wanted to go with it. Ended up going to college for a business, hated every second of it <laughs> and actually transferred to the university of Rhode Island and played football my freshman year or my sophomore year when I transferred. And that's when I was introduced into real strength and conditioning. And, you know, I saw that there was a route that you could go that was really cool that I was really interested in. And immediately I just fell in love with it. You know, working with my strength and conditioning coach there, I switched over my major and just really started, you know, that was 2005. And then since then was just, uh, all, all full speed ahead towards strength and conditioning. So I started doing some internships. I had a, a mentor who was my high school football coach that came in my senior year, who was also a strength and conditioning coach. And he helped kind of guide me along the way, told me what certifications to take. Uh, I did some internships with him, but I really was just getting into any opportunity I could to get on the floor, work with athletes, be around people who were doing it. So, you know, I was lucky that by the time I graduated, I had about three or four volunteer internships, uh, one at the collegiate level at my school, and then a few others at private facilities, as well as uh, two, or excuse me, one, two paid positions, one working, running high school speed agility camps in the summer with my high school coach, and then another uh, at a private Parisi speed school uh, performance facility. So I had a a good amount of hands-on experience by the time I graduated college. Yeah, it sounds Um, like it. 
Yeah, and then I ended up actually working at the Parisi Speed School when I graduated in the private sector, but I was all about collegiate strength and conditioning at the time, and I got a call from my old strength and conditioning coach that I had worked under as a volunteer intern offering me a position at the University of Rhode Island uh, just as a paid intern, but I, I jumped at it, moved back up to Rhode Island and, and worked there, you know, pretty much making negative money. Uh, you know, I was paying more, paying more in rent and expenses than I was making at the time. So, but I knew I had to get into collegiate strength and conditioning. It was a great foot in the door and I ended up working my way up there really quickly, um, became the assistant uh, strength and conditioning coach there and the director took a leave of absence. So I ended up myself and the other assistant ended up running the entire division one strength and conditioning department as a person with one year in the industry. So oh my God. definitely a, a crazy experience. And looking back, I made a lot of big mistakes, but I learned a lot through that opportunity. But sure. So did you, before you did that, what sports were you in charge of uh, at Rhode Island or was it kind of the, the gauntlet you took care of everybody that came in? Yeah, we had all of them. So okay. there was, I was primarily responsible. I think I had anywhere from probably about 10 teams. Uh, we had 18 varsity sports, but we had two strength and conditioning coaches on staff, plus sometimes a grad assistant. So we would, we basically worked with all the teams together. Um, you know, the bigger teams, football, baseball, uh, men's track, some of the, the larger teams, we would, uh, all three coaches would be there. And then I looked, I wrote programs for and coached by myself, men's and women's soccer, women's volleyball, rowing, cross country, men's and women's track, pretty much all the teams. We had 18 varsity sports and we, you know, between the two of us. So we were there 5 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. And oh we had a, gosh. our weight room was a, weight, weight room was an old classroom. So we were only able to get one team and the bigger teams were only able to get like a third of the team in there at a time. So there was no way to be more efficient with our time. We had to get every team in there from 5am to 8pm. It was, it was a crazy experience. Oh God, how resourceful were you guys? Yeah. You know, you learn very quickly how to be resourceful with minimal, we had four racks, you know, a, a set of dumbbells, so when, when I finally moved in the private sector and started coaching smaller groups, you know, I was at the Velocity Sports Performance out in Southern California. It was a 20,000 square foot facility. We had every piece of equipment you could imagine. And it was like, you know, crazy for me writing programs for three people in a 20,000 square foot facility <laughs> compared to writing programs for 80 guys in a, you know, maybe 5,000 square foot, not even, probably maybe 2,500 to 3,000 square foot weight room. Yeah, that's, that's insane. But you know, that kind of, I mean, and, and you touched on it too, that it, uh, it kind of builds you a little bit, right? I mean, you look back on that and now it's like, uh, I mean, you've get any, you get anything above that size and you're probably in heaven. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I tell everybody I've been, I've been very blessed to have, to have a very difficult road through my career. Yeah. Some big challenges, uh, some things that just didn't work out the way they were supposed to, and I kind of got the short end of the stick a few times. You know, I, when I first went to Rhode Island, I was supposed to be a paid intern, so I was making seven hundred fifty dollars a month, right. and I was supposed to be working twenty to twenty-five hours a week so that I could get another part-time job and pay my bills. But because there was so much issues going on in the in the strength and conditioning department, I ended up getting treated like I was an assistant. So I was there 5 a.m. to 8 p.m. So, you know, 
again, looking at it early on, I was like, this isn't fair. I'm being overworked. But when an opportunity presented itself for an assistant strength coach, I was ready to jump into that role because I was already doing the job. Yeah, I think you you get, especially as as a young person getting into it, you're probably thinking, you know, I'm definitely not getting paid for this. Well, then you realize that really even the people who are full-time, they aren't getting paid what they should get paid to be there that long. Right. Right. I mean, it's right. You bet. So, so it's almost like you're in a way it, it, it was, you were blessed to have that extra, you know, 12 hours a week or, you know, however many hours a week that you could just because they, they basically forced you to it. I mean, that kind of grew you to what you're doing now. So I cut you off about your trip to California. So uh, let's, let's pick up there. Yeah, so I, I'm from California originally, and I always wanted to get back out to California. I love Southern California. The weather, just the lifestyle oh, is something I'm connected it. with. Stop rubbing so. it in. Stop rubbing it in. <laughs> I'm in the Midwest. It was just, it's terrible here. Yeah. It's actually crazy. It's, it's pretty uh, warm in, in New Jersey where I went to high school. All over the, the country right now, it's warmer than it is even here in Southern California. But I've always wanted to get out here, and, you know, I – I saw an opportunity, actually the other assistant I was working with saw something on the strength performance network for a private gym that had all MMA fighters and everything all over its website and just looked really cool. And he said, this, this looks right up your alley. And I applied for it. Um, my mom was actually out here visiting cause she's from here and visiting her family. And I sent her into the facility to check it out. And she ended up talking to the performance director for me and uh, doing a little mini interview to help me get the job. But I ended up, Moving across the country, I left my Division One strength and conditioning job just to take an entry-level training job because I knew I wanted to be out here and I knew I wanted the opportunity to work with fighters. And uh, I thought maybe I wanted to get back into collegiate strength and conditioning, but I wasn't sure. So I just took a leap of faith. I moved out here, and I, you know, I knew once I was here, I could start working my way up and networking and, and doing. I was confident in my abilities, so I just took the leap and. Slowly, slowly, gradually worked my way up through a couple of facilities, um, working with all kinds of athletes. And I trained every, when I moved out here, I was running the youth speed agility classes and the adult boot camp classes. And that's pretty much all I was doing. And again, I was looking at it as, man, I left a division one strength and conditioning job for this. Right. And, uh, you know, I was only getting paid for three hours a day that I was running these classes. So it was a, it was a big challenge, but I, I just kept trying to find the opportunity there to prove myself and, and take on every opportunity I could. And I finally got promoted to uh, the sports performance director. And then I started working with a lot more elite athletes and we ended up merging companies a few times and bounced all our company kind of bounced all over the place. I've been with the same company the whole time, but it's changed ownership a few times. And every time our company changed ownership, I started working my way up into more and more management positions uh, which is something that I, I turned out to really, really enjoy. You know, I, I, my big passion outside of training athletes is working with coaches and teaching coaches how to do what I do with athletes. And that's become my really my true passion. And that's really where I spend about 75% of my time these days is uh, teaching and training coaches and trainers on how to train clients or athletes or, you know, the best methods and principles and things that I've done in the 10 years of my career and had success with. Yeah. Cause we kind of talked about that a little bit uh, last week before we hopped on the call and uh, about how important it was that people learn 
not only from someone who's doing it, but from your or a person's mistakes. You know, if the only thing that we talk about are is just uh, how successful we are and how great we're doing and how much we're helping our clients and all of the right things that we do, then we're kind of doing a disservice to the people underneath us that are coming up behind us because then it's going to be like, well, Coach Nessler didn't say anything or, you know, my, my trainer, Eric, he didn't tell or, you know, my whatever, whoever is under, whoever's above you teaching you, they lied to me. They, th- they said it was going to be all, you know, rainbow and sunshine. But if you come at it from a point of here are the steps that I took, here's where I failed, and here's how you can avoid that, and maybe not all the way, but, you know, take some cues from someone who's been there and done that. And that it sounded like you are developing developing a pretty cool program around that if you want to share a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I completely agree. You know, I was, I was actually just listening to a Tony Robbins podcast this morning, and he was talking about exactly that. When people want to share their successes all the time, but we really learn the most from shared failures. And I think it helps to humanize you as well and let people understand, you know, it's very easy to look at, you know, I look at some of my biggest mentors and it's like, man, these guys just seem to be doing everything right. And everything they say, they they seem to have it all figured out, but I can't be that way. You know, he's just got the best mindset and the best situation. So it's, I think it's really good to share in the struggles and the failures that you've had. And I mean, that's what I did from the beginning because I didn't really have a lot of formal training, a lot of formal mentors or, you know, all the facilities I was working for didn't have a a set curriculum. And I was always somebody looking for structure and organization and and a way to put methodologies together and, and piece things all together as, as an organized uh, platform. And I just never had that. So I was searching for it everywhere I went and all of a sudden I had to start training people. You know, I had, I became the director and I had to hire coaches and I had to teach those coaches how to do what we were doing. So the best way I knew how was I just started systemizing what I do day to day and how I train athletes and some of the successes I've had and things that work really well. But really what I started teaching them was, Hey, okay, here's all the stuff that I've done and where I screwed up and it cost me a lot of time and effort and wasted time. So here's a better way to do it. And I just started sharing those practices and and over the past, I've been doing that now for five and a half years since I've been here. And over the past five and a half years, I've just kind of developed it into a curriculum of for internships and, and coaches development to help them see what these major mistakes were that I made in my career or major mistakes I've seen other professionals make and how they can circumvent those and, you know, help them to have more success. And and it's been great because I've got coaches working for me right now that, man, they are light years ahead of where I was when I was 23, 24, you know, 27. It wasn't until I was probably 28 where I really was able to start piecing these things together and making sense of everything. You know, I just felt lost until then. And I look at some of the coaches I have now, and I'm like, I can't wait to see what these people are doing when they're my age because they're so far ahead of me um, and, and not taking any credit from them because they're all very smart and hardworking individuals. But, you know, I, I like to think that I can help shape that path a little bit and help expedite their, their learning curve for sure. Definitely. And I tell people who, you know, who are going into the, the personal training industry, and it's probably similar, you know, you're, if you're building a, a, a clientele and if you have a practice in place, you have a philosophy, philosophy in place and you're surrounded by others who are going to help you uh, build up that philosophy and help help you fine tune it. 
if you're putting people through a program that you know that works, that's a, that's a fail safe, it's going to keep somebody safe and they're going to see progress and they're going to, you know, end up believing in you and what you're doing. That's great. But if you, if you don't have people behind you telling you, look, like for instance, I, I tell some trainers that are uh, at the gym that I'm in now, like, look, man, if you're, you got to put it in grind because if I look back at my book, I keep a book of all my active clients, obviously, and all my inactive clients. And if I look at that, you know, I've got a book of, you know, 47 active clients. I probably have three times the people over the past 10 years, if not more, that I no longer train. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. And right. when people look at, you know, when trainers look at me and they're like, holy cow, they do the math. And you're like, you've got to be kidding me. And it's like, no, man, but you, you know, you get that one or two clients and I know it's a little different in the world you're working in, but you get those one or two clients and you really focus on them and the ones that kind of fall off to the side for whatever reason, whatever, I, you know, I have no ill will towards those people I don't work with anymore. In fact, if they come back, of course I want to help them, but it's just the, the point of you have to have somebody behind you saying, keep your head down, keep grinding, do what you know how to do and do it really, really well and be the best you can at it. And everything else will take care of itself. Absolutely, yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. So, how are your how are your coaches? How are they dealing with um, the program that you're putting together? Like, what what's some of the feedback that you're getting from them? I mean, my coaches are are phenomenal. So, the thing that I've tried to do the most is, I try to develop such a team atmosphere that. You know, I, I've worked for so many people, and, and you know it, we're in the industry of egos. And there's so much ego in this industry. And I've always been somebody who just craved knowledge and information and to have a, a, some significance and an impact. You know, I wanted to be able to use what I was learning and, and add value to whatever I was doing. I didn't want to just, you know, be a pawn and do nothing. You know, I always wanted to bring more value to, to my boss or the company. So... One of the things, and again, that's why I talk about blessings in disguise. You know, I, I've learned so much from the some of the very challenging and difficult bosses that I've worked for, and, and some just, you know, overall not great people that I've worked for. And yeah. I think it's shaped me into being the kind of manager and leader and boss that I that I really take pride in being today. But my coaches, you know, really what I try to do is help them by setting a framework that they can then build upon and then create a team environment where, you know, some of these coaches are so good at what they do. They're so smart. They've got so many different, so much such different backgrounds that, you know, we just redid our entire movement training methodology. And really myself and one of our other coaches set the framework for how we were going to conceptualize movement. And then we had weekly meetings where we just kind of brainstormed and put things together. And the stuff that these guys came up with was, better than way better than what I could have come up with on my own. And we created it as a team. So it, it, it really creates a, a unique culture. Um, and the, the buy-in is, is excellent because they're the ones who created it and they're the ones implementing it. You know, I don't coach the regular athletes who are in our, our programs. So it, it helps me a lot to, again, use my experience to help develop the framework and, and guide them down that path and let them, let them use their day-to-day hands-on experience to figure out what's really going to work for the middle school athletes that they work with every day because I don't work with them anymore. So right. it's, it's a lot harder for me to keep my finger on the pulse of what those athletes need and what's working for them. And a good, another good thing is that when you, know, you have a team like that around you and you, you totally trust in them, like it sounds, you, sounds like you do, 
you know that they're going to pass on that knowledge to the next people that you hire or the next people that they interact with, right? So they're not you're not like keeping all of that knowledge and information to yourself because that's all spreading the knowledge like you're doing podcasts and and training other trainers and things like that just talking about ideas in general even with it's like a someone who you know is in direct competition with you, you know, who might be trying to get a, a client that you're after also or something like that. If you're if you're open with that person and you're talking about methodology and things like that, it's only bettering the industry. Otherwise, you know, we'd probably still be lifting trees and, you know, <laughs> just like our, our, yeah. it, it'd still be archaic. I mean, the things that we do are – it progresses so quickly, but I think it does that because people keep talking and where we have open conversation and dialogue. And if that's not – if we're – I, I think I've said this a thousand times on the podcast, but you know, if we have all this information and we don't share it, then what's the point? What are we going to die with it? And then who cares after that, right? <laughs> I mean, if you find out something new, exactly. you might as well tell somebody else. It's only got to help another human being. Exactly. And then you made so many great points there. And that's why I love what you're doing. You know, you're spreading good information with this podcast and it's, it's just so important to connect people. And, and like you said, for me personally, I mean, the reason I tell my coaches that, you know, now I kind of step back and they, this this internship we're running right now, this quarter, uh, I'm not really running it at all. I've got two co- a performance director in one facility and an assistant director in the other facility, and they're taking the lead on the whole internship, and coaches are taking part in it. And I tell them that, number one, my knowledge on all these training subjects it is has increased exponentially when I had to start actually teaching it to coaches versus just doing it to athletes. So you're going to learn a ton from having to teach this. Right. Number two, you know, you're going to get a ton of value from teaching these interns because they're now going to look to you as mentors and you can build that in your career. But, you know, like you said, we're, we're helping to, to raise the bar, you know, and that's, that's kind of the, the uh, underlying premise behind everything I'm trying to do with my online education business. You know, I, I say that my mission statement is to raise the bar for fitness professionals and, you know, whether it's by setting new standards of professionalism and helping people to understand that we are true professionals and we need to look and act like it. Right. Um, or by just providing as much information as possible because, you know, you, you can't take it with you. And if you have that kind of scarcity mindset that you're keeping it all closed off to yourself, you know, those people are, are rarely successful. You know, they'll get to a certain right. point. But, you know, I think our industry could be so much further, you know, there's so much information out there, but you know, we're very quick to keep things to ourselves and in competition with each other and, and break each other down in terms of other coaches that are doing great work just because it's not exactly what we're doing or, or we're jealous of them. Um, it's funny thing. I, I actually, I met with two other local strength coaches who work with MMA fighters that are within maybe five miles of me, one of them right around the corner. So obviously very competitive market there. And one of them is a very experienced guy who's a good friend of mine. And we've worked together on some projects. And the other one uh, is working with his first MMA fighter. And he's a younger coach, but he's doing an excellent job. And he reaches out to me for uh, advice and, and support. And he comes down and I just, you know, the fighter he's working with could very well be a person that I'm trying to work with. But, you know, there's plenty of fighters out there. And I know that for every one fighter who's working with a coach who's, doing some really good stuff. You know, there's, there's 500 other fighters that are working with some trainers who have no idea what they're doing. Yep. So, you know, we came down, we had a meeting yesterday morning and we just shared ideas for two and a half hours and it was awesome. And, you know, I'm just giving away everything I have. And I think that 
having that kind of um, abundance mindset also helps you grow because if I'm giving you everything I have, then I have to go learn more. You know, I can't just sit back and go, I've learned the five best things and I'm going to keep these to myself. You know, I'll give you all five of them and then I'm going to go learn five more next week so that I can keep growing and keep progressing myself as well. Yeah, I mean, there's... our tool belt is endless, especially if we open up the dialogue and conversation to other people that are in the industry that we may not see day to day. But if I could reach out to somebody and say, Hey, is there a, is there a way that, um, you'd train somebody, whatever, whatever it is, it doesn't matter if there's, there's expertise. Like if, if a fighter came to me and wanted to train, there's a two things I could do with them. I know for sure strength train. Cause that's what, what I feel like I'm an expert at basic strength training, uh, progression, periodization. After that, tell you the truth, I'm kind of at a loss because, (laughs) you know, I don't train fighters, but if I have somebody, let's say like you or a member of your team or something like that to reach out to, I mean, that's a win-win for the whole community. So I think, um, I think going back to your program, you know, to not keep that inside, it's just like an in-house thing that everybody comes on board to your place and you just say, okay, everybody has to go this through the, through this curriculum but to share it uh, and let other people get value from it, that's pretty awesome. And I think uh, it, it's such a cool time to be in our industry too, into, into any industry, uh, you know, obviously. I mean, we look down on our phone and we can, you know, Google and find anything that we want. So it's kind of like a, it's great and it's a, it's kind of a bad thing at the same time because then you have people out there who just regurgitate things that they see with no practice and right. obviously, you know, we put out, we put out material because we, we want people to learn from it. It kind of, t- it, t- it takes away from all the hard work that you put into it. When you see somebody who's never really been there and done that, maybe copycat or, or maybe shut down something that you know that works because they just, they maybe don't like your attitude or you're not as big as them or whatever the case is. There's like really good and bad things about being in our time. And like, okay, for instance, like this pod, like podcast, not just this podcast, but podcasts in general, like Tony Robbins podcast, all the podcasts that I listen to, it's incredible. But you can always go out there and find something that might make you maybe second guess what you're doing or something like that. So it's like finding the things that really back you and knowing that you're doing the right things and you keep moving forward. It's just like surrounding yourself with the right people, you sign yourself with the right technology and, and it's all, it's all syncing up. That's a really long, long way of saying that you're doing a really good job. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And, and I agree. You know, I think the podcast world has brought so much value to our industry, you know, any industry, but our industry in particular, cause that's the industry that we work in, but podcasts and online education. And there's just, there's so many resources at people's fingertips and, that a great part about it is there's so many great coaches out there that are now accessible. You yeah. know, I, I reach out to guys that, you know, uh, guys who've become friends of mine now that I, I used to read their blogs and, and watch their videos and just think like, man, these guys are so awesome. And like you said, you go train a, uh, a special forces guy who was reaching out to me, asking questions about print training programs. I've never worked with special operators. So for me, I'd have to go, you know, 10 years ago, I just make them up a program and we do basic stuff because that's what I know how to do. But now, you know, I've got so many experts at my fingertips that are working with these type of people and have this experience and so many people are open 
you know, you could send an Instagram message and say, exactly. Hey coach, you know, the, some big time coach. And, and most of the time these people will take the time to get back to you and, you know, have a 15 minute conversation and help you and guide you, which is awesome. And, but like you said, the, you know, just because it's on the internet means it's true. You know, right. every, anybody with a blog can be writing a, an article now. And a, a friend of mine, Brett Bartholomew and I were talking a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about exposure versus experience and yep. just being exposed to something. You know, if I just, if I read the book and now I want to go write a blog post about how important it is, that doesn't really make me an expert in it. I haven't taken that exposure and put it into practice and actually used it. Uh, and he had a great analogy. So the difference between somebody who's spent 500 hours in a flight simulator and someone who's spent 500 hours actually flying planes, you know, which one of those pilots are going to want to be in your plane in the cockpit when things start to go wrong. Yeah, exactly. You know, so yeah, that's the you. difference between just being exposed to some of these elements and then actually getting out there and doing it in real life scenarios. Yeah. And you said it way oh. better, way better than I, <laughs> I tried to say the exact same thing, but that's a, a way. Well, better. I can't, I can't take credit for that. That's a uh, Brett, Brett <laughs> had a post about that. And I, I just, you know, really, sometimes you find those coaches that just speak the way that you think yep. and it just clicks. And Brett's one of those guys for me, he's a super smart coach and very experienced. And every time I see something, I'm like, man, he's just, he's taking exactly what I'm thinking and putting it into a very nice package. So, yeah. Yeah, the the whole um, the whole Twitter and Instagram and all of that. That's I mean, that's basically how how what I'm doing now with the podcast. That's basically how it's growing. You know, if somebody likes a post that I put up and I like what they're doing, that's all I do. I just say, hey, you know, let's spread the word of what you're doing, and then they shoot me an email, and then we're off to the races. You know, it's I mean, it's 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 amazing the amount of love that you get when you, when you just want to add value to somebody else's um, work. And that's what it's all about. Cause we know, I mean, we know that the work that you, that you do, uh, and all of your coaches do, you know, it's great to get accolades and have somebody say, Hey, you did a great job with that athlete. But when you see the athlete perform because they put in the work that you help them with, I mean, that I think would mean more to a coach. I know it means that to me, like somebody today said, Hey, I just want you to know that I was at a, a market the other day and I picked up this. I don't know how heavy it was, but she kind of gave me a size and she picked it up and was able to put it and hoist it over uh, her trunk and in her car. And she's like, you know, if I wasn't doing this, more than likely I wouldn't be able to, to do something like that. And it's just like, I don't even need to hear that, but just to know it, that that person's life, it, it's different now. I mean, that's, that's kind of what makes it worth it. And I can only imagine that's the same for you and, you know, your athletes performing well. Absolutely. You know, when, when you hear that stuff and, and sometimes it's not the, the world championships that, you know, that's exciting. That's cool. But, you know, a particular example for me, I have a, a jujitsu fighter that I work with who's very much just a recreational athlete. You know, she's not fighting in, in the UFC, but she's a very hard worker. I've been working with her for probably six months or, you know, maybe even more than that. And she went with her husband to Thailand. He's a professional Muay Thai fighter and she wow. trains Muay Thai as well. And she, when she came to me, she was so banged up. She always had different injuries, and it was just really bothering her. She didn't seem to have as much confidence because of all these injuries that, that had been bothering her. She sent me a text message. She went to Thailand for about a month, and she was just sent me a text just saying thank you because of the work that we've done. You know, She was able to go with her husband and train Muay Thai six days a week for a couple of weeks out there and, and you know have the trip that she wanted to have. And 
she didn't fight, you know, she just went and trained, but it was so fulfilling and rewarding to me. Cause I was like, man, you know, that's, that's why we do this, you know, yeah. having that kind of impact in somebody's life and being able to allow them to do what they want to do right. longer or better is just, you know, it's fulfilling. And, and the same thing for coaches now. And that's why, that's why I, I love the, the trainer education so much. And, you know, when I started putting out videos, I used to do on my Instagram, just take pictures of my athletes here and there. And, you know, here's professional athletes I was training. It was more kind of celebrating stuff because I didn't really know how to use it. And then I just started doing videos, you know, here's, here's an exercise I use and how I teach it. And I just got such good feedback on that. And my, my following started really growing because I was just providing value. I just was giving people my, the exercise I use and my methodologies and anything and everything I could possibly teach via Instagram or Facebook, you know, I shifted more to Facebook now because the videos are longer, but the more I could just put out there, the, the more feedback I was getting and started teaching some workshops and seminars and, you know, I'll have trainers from a seminar that I, I taught, um, you know, I did some seminars over at Equinox and I talked to some of the trainers and she said, you know, that hip mobility drill that you taught us in the squat seminar, I did that with one of my clients and that's the only thing he said he's ever done that has made his hips actually feel good when he's moving around. I was like, man, that's, that's it. You know, that's why I do this. I, I, that's why I love sharing this stuff because I know people are going to get value and, and, if you can deliver something that's going to help them and then they can go help their 20 clients or their 30 clients, yep. it's going to be just a, a much larger impact. So yeah, it's I, awesome. Yeah. And I don't want people to think that we sit there when somebody says something like that and we were like, yes, look how awesome we are. I, I helped this person become amazing. It's not like that at all. It's, it's a point of like, holy cow, I made an impact in somebody's life. <laughs> you know, it's it that's what's rewarding to us. I, I mean, it's not like uh it's not like we're patting ourselves on the back, but we're just like it's it just makes us feel so good. I mean, it makes yeah. all of yeah. the hours that we put in and then all the effort that our athletes or our clients put in outside the gym and all that comes to fruition and then they say something about it. Even though you might be seeing it every single day, you know they're moving better. You know they're striking better. You know their the ground gains getting better. But then when they actually, they they tell you, I know what's happening. I can see what's going on with my body and how I'm performing and looking and feeling. Then when once they get it, that's that's a big turning point. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, you know, we're we're, we're such a small part of that. You know, I I never can take any credit. Combat sports are so. There's so many variables that go into winning an MMA fight. I I can't take any credit for what I do, but just to be able to help, you know, if if I can provide something that just helps a little bit, even if you just were able to do a little bit more, you just felt a little bit better going in, whatever you can do, you know, it just, like you said, I mean, that's why we do it. We're, we're, we're in the people business and we're in the business of helping people. And it's, uh, it's very rewarding when you can share an experience or, and, and, especially because we're, we're taking for every one thing that clicks and really helps. We tried 200 others that didn't right, work. Right. Right. So, you know, it's not that every methodology we do is, is just great. It's like, Hey, let me share 20 things. And, you know, I do a workshop and I'm like, let me share 20 things that have worked for me for some people. And one or two of these might click with one of you or one of your people. And, and just, again, maybe I can provide just a little extra tool for your toolbox. Yep. You know, you're the one who's got to be the master who can, apply the right tool for the job. But if I can give you one or two more tools for your toolbox, then 
you know, maybe that can help one of your clients a little bit more. Absolutely. That's, I've heard that same, the same term and I use it too, our toolbox, because you're right. There's not one thing that's going to work for every single person. You have to build a toolbox. And that's something that every coach, uh, every trainer that I talk to, they always mention their toolbox and sharing tools with other people. And then hopefully they can use it down the road too. So that, that really speak. That's like, that's like a, an industry that's across the entire industry. Everybody has a toolbox and everybody kind of shares and passes along different information to everybody because we are so different. But Yeah, and, it, and it's a great analogy because you, yeah, you know, if you're a carpenter, no, no two jobs are going to be exactly the same. Right. But if you've got a, a huge toolbox and you know how to use all of those tools really well and when to apply the right one, you know, then, then you're going to have a much greater value to all the different clients that you work with. So. Yep. You know, and then that's the struggle you see with a lot of people early on in the in the industry is, you know, that the kettlebell is the tool that they find and love, or the, right. or Olympic weightlifting, or whatever it is, and this is it. That's the tool. You know, we we're all guilty of it. We all find that one thing that just clicks and feels good and works for us, and then you know fall in love with it, and all of a sudden, you know, it's like the end of the analogy. They say uh, when you give somebody a hammer, everything tends to look like a nail. So <laughs> right. very quickly they want to apply that thing and that, you know, all of a sudden kettlebells are the best thing for no matter what your issue is or what your goal is, kettlebell is the thing or Olympic weightlifting is the thing. So, you know, the more you can show people that that's a great tool, but it's, it's one of many and we can start to build that toolbox up. And, and then, you know, I think a real master coach is somebody who has a, a very vast toolbox, yep. but knows which ones are the, are the go-tos, you know, most of the time that are going to get the biggest bang for your buck and then where I can apply all of these other little tools to get the job done more efficiently. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. That's a mic drop comment. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I love the analogies. I'm, I'm all about analogies. No, well, I mean, they work. They, especially in our industry, man, there's so many of them, as you know, there's just, it could go on forever and it kind of, you kind of brought everything full circle because without you can carry a toolbox around. This is not going to be a good analogy, so I shouldn't even start it out that way. But you could have, like in your toolbox, I mean, where do you get your tools from, right? I mean, you can find a couple things that you learn yourself that you know that works for you and you try to, to share people. But if I don't come to PJ and ask for how to work with somebody, then I don't have any tools. So we kind of just went full circle with it. You know, it's just the sharing method. Just share and be open yeah. and tell people what works. But more importantly, tell them what doesn't work. I mean, that's the, that's going to lead exactly. to success. Just be open and be yeah, honest. They can, they can throw some of those things out. And like you said, you know, when they see the tools, it, it's very hard if, you know, we're, we're just going to keep going analogy after analogy. But <laughs> I, I could give you some crazy Swiss Army knife, but if you don't know how to use it and apply it, it's just a shiny tool in there. And that's, unfortunately, that's part of the problem with, with ah, the Internet yeah. and with all this stuff is, people just see things and it, it becomes kind of monkey see monkey do like, Oh, that's a cool exercise. I'm going to do that. And that's one of the big things I try to share is, Hey, here's how to do the exercise the right way. So at the minimum, it's all, if that's all you take, at least you know how to do it the right way. Right. But more importantly, here's why I'm using it with my clients right now. Here's where it fits into their program. Here's why it applies to the female fighters I work with, but I've changed it a little bit for some of the guys. And here's where we're using it so that again, instead of me just handing you this, you know, crazy Swiss army knife. Now I'm showing you all the features and when to use them and, and how to use them more efficiently. So you're not just, you know, 
taking it and poking and prodding with it and hoping that something works out. Yeah, exactly. That's another really good analogy. <laughs> that's, that's all day. I'm not to write these down. <laughs> no, I, well, well, don't no, don't worry. It's being recorded, so I got your back. Oh yeah, good. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Well, we've we've got a lot of good analogies we're coming up with here. Yeah. Well, hey PJ, I really appreciate you spreading spreading the word about what you're doing, and it sounds like you're building something great over there. So, um, if people want to reach out and get a hold of you, how can they do that? So uh, the best way to get in touch with me right now is on my Facebook. Um, I'm on Facebook at Coach PJ Nestler, and I pretty much I'm, I'm rebuilding my website right now. So I've, I've got a website that'll be launched very soon, which is CoachPJNestler.com, okay. and that will be the hub for everything. But right now, my Facebook is really the hub for all my videos, all my content, seminars I've got coming up. Uh, you can reach out to me via Facebook message on there. Um, so that's the best platform. Uh, but people can shoot me an email directly too if they want to at PJ at CoachPJNestler.com is my direct email. So, you know, I, I love talking to trainers and, and sharing as much information, but, you know, I, I post stuff regularly pretty much every day on my Facebook to just get that content out there. Awesome. All right, people, you heard it. If you have any questions, get a hold of him via Facebook and keep a lookout for his new website. Again, PJ, I appreciate you taking the time, man. A lot of good info. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it.